Hi, and welcome to season 10 of the Abiding Together podcast. We are so excited to have you with us this season. Abiding Together is a place where you can find connection, rest, and encouragement on your journey with Jesus Christ. My name is Sister Miriam James Heidland, and every week I am joined by two of my dearest friends, Heather Kim and Michelle Benzinger. We talk about our life with Christ. We talk about big things, small things, beautiful things, sorrowful things. We laugh, we cry, you'll fit right in. (laughs) You are most welcome here. So please grab a cup of coffee, settle in, and welcome home. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Abiding Together podcast. And we have a wonderful guest for you today. We don't all oftentimes have guests on, but we have a really wonderful guest. We can't wait for our it's audience. Very exciting. Yes, I think they're going to be very inspired and just fall in love very deeply with, with the heart of all that this wonderful man is doing. So, But first and foremost, Michelle, Heather, how are we today? My goodness, it's been a while since we've seen each other. <laughs> I know. Because we switched the podcast around this season. We did all of our recording at one time in August. So for the whole season. And then when we were looking at the schedule, we wanted to actually have this guest that's about to come on last season and schedules didn't permit. So I was like, we have to do a bonus episode. We have to have him on. So mm-hmm. um, I'm just excited to see your faces. And so mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And the weather's nice, just in case people are worried about the weather. <laughs> yeah, it's actually uh, winter, fall here. Well, not winter, but fall here. It's like uh, 60s. We actually wore long sleeves, you know, all the Southerners because it's 60 mm-hmm. degrees here. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, mm-hmm. Heather, how are I'm, you? I'm great. I'm actually not in Canada right what? now. So I'm in, you I'm in Michigan. I know <laughs> I escaped. Um, I'm in Ann Arbor. So if you hear any other voices, uh, Peter Herbeck and Ralph Martin are next door having a men's group in oh the offices that I'm, that I'm in right now. So I'm hanging out with Debbie Herbeck and um, I'm with my daughter. Eva is with me. So she just got to go to Debbie's uh, high school Bible study for the girls this morning. And it's just been a great, great trip so far. Mm, that's so wonderful. Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. Welcome to the South. Well, kind of South of you, I guess. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Good to be here. <laughs> yeah. Well, we would like to introduce our guest and I'm going to let him speak about the, just the heart of his ministry, but I would like to especially introduce um, today our guest, uh, Magnus McFarlane Burrow of the ministry, Mary's Meals, who he's going about, to, he's about to speak and he's about to tell you where he's from. You can tell by his accent, but Magnus, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Abiding Together podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm so excited to 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 be on. I, I, I've been uh, making a lot of people around here very excited when I've been telling them I'm coming to, to have a chat with you today. So thank you for asking me. <laughs> yeah, well, my parents, a lot of people know my parents are from Scotland. And so they just felt like I was having family on or something. They're like, well, please tell Magnus hello. I'm like, I don't think you guys have met. but <laughs> Well, it's a small <laughs> country. Who, who knows? It's a small place. <laughs> you probably do. You're probably related somehow. And we were going to ask you, Magnus, how you like your coffee, but you, you gently corrected us so can we ask you how do you like your tea like what's your favorite way to have tea yeah i'm very boring i don't drink coffee although i do make up for it by drinking quite a lot of tea and i just drink it nice and strong with a bit of milk very simple Mm. i love it i love it and so well we're so glad to have you on and we were just wondering if you could just share with us a bit about yourself and kind of how the ministry mary's meals came to be but we just love to hear your story so if you could bless our listeners with that we would love to hear it yeah, no, thank you. And uh, I never tire of telling the story, even though I do it quite a oh, lot. I love it, that. it feels like a story I never could have made up. It feels like something that's just <laughs> happened to me. And I never I never lose a sense of surprise, you know. And, and uh, I know we only have a certain amount of time today. But I, I, for me, I think the story really starts when I was only about 
um, 15 years of age. Uh, at that time, uh, I went with my brothers and my sister to, to Medjugorje. It was um, very early on in those reported apparitions, and we read about mm -hmm. it in a, a local newspaper. And we started saying to her, we'd been brought up as a devout Catholic family. We knew about Lourdes. We'd been to Fatima. And we started saying to mom and dad, you know, if that's even possibly true, we should we should go and, and investigate, you know, and to our surprise, they said, well, yeah, if, if, if you want to investigate, off you go, we're busy. So, so we did, you know, <laughs> it's a bunch of teenagers on, a, on an adventure, really. And oh um, our experience there really changed our lives, really led us to try to start living our uh, faith in a new way, uh, in a way that really surprised mom and dad when we got back, because it wasn't like that before uh, then. And so much so that they, they went to Medjugorje and they had, a similar experience and, and when they came back home here to, to Scotland, they felt God was asking them to turn our, our home, which was a small hotel, into uh, a retreat centre, into a house of prayer. Mm. And they really mm. just opened our doors. It was crazy, actually. They just opened our, our doors <laughs> and said to people, if you want to come and spend time uh, praying with us, you're welcome. And people started coming from all over. Um, and, and then it became more formalized and they started uh, bringing priests in to lead different retreats. And it's carried on like this, that to this day. It's called Craig Lodge Family House of Prayer. And uh, there's a mission school here now um, where, where young people from all over the world come in and, and spend a year um, in formation uh, to, to be missionaries and all sorts of amazing things. So that's how I grew up. Uh, and then you know, I'll, I'll forward wind a bit. Don't worry, I'm not going to talk for hours. But, um, <laughs> you know, the years went by. I, I was chronically shy. I was very, very lacking confidence when I was young. I left school, went to university. I only lasted there a few months and retreated home to the village here. I became a salmon farmer. I was a, a fish farmer in the middle of nowhere on the, on the ocean off Scotland. And 1992, uh, by then the war had begun in Bosnia, the breakup of, of mm -hmm. the former Yugoslavia. And my brother and I, actually over a, a pint of beer, if I'm honest, had this plan <laughs> to, to try and do something small to help uh, the people in Bosnia. Mm -hmm. And we just started collecting things, um, food, clothing, basic things that the refugees needed at that time. Uh, we drove them there, took a week's holiday from work, delivered them, came back home thinking I'd done my good deed to discover that God yeah. had a very, very different plan. Because when I got home, this... Uh, the place was was there were mountains of of gifts of food and clothing and people kept wow. on coming and giving us more and I suddenly realised this was going to be harder to stop than it than it had been to start <laughs> and uh, I prayed about it and I I gave up my job which wasn't a huge sacrifice if I'm really honest and uh, I sold my house <laughs> and somebody gave me a truck and I just said to God I'm going to keep doing this as as long as there's a need and as long as people keep giving and. And in some ways, that's a story ever since. 30 years later, I never went back to the fish farm because people <laughs> never stopped giving, you know, and the work's growing and evolved, you know. So in the early days, it was all about uh, emergency uh, work. Um, and then it evolved into this simple mission that we do today, which is all about just simply providing one good meal every day uh, in a place, a place of education for for hungry mm. children so they so we meet their immediate need but at the same time we enable them to come to school and and to gain that education um that can set them free and that's 
that you know there's lots and lots of stuff happened along the way but that's just a very basic uh a basic outline of of, of what's happened and i should say we're currently celebrating the fee- the fact that we're now feeding over two million uh children wow. every day which is something i can't really even begin to get my head around wow. Oh, wow. Wow. That is amazing. And how many countries are you in as well right now? We're in we're in 19 countries. So mo- most of them um, are in Africa, also in Haiti and in India. We have we feel a very strong calling um, to to work in the in the darkest places, the places where there is greatest suffering. Uh, where are the, where there are the highest rates of of child malnutrition, um, where the most children are out of school because of poverty, and um, you know maybe I should explain our biggest project today is in in Malawi, Southeast Africa. We feed nearly a million mm, children yeah. just in that mm-hmm. country wow. over over thirty oh over thirty percent of of the primary school aged children in that nation, and that's really where the work of Mary's Meals began specifically. So two thousand and Two, I was in in Malawi, and we were. It was a year of famine, and we were doing emergency feeding. And I was working w- with a parish priest there. I was staying with him, and he said to me one morning, "Magnus, would you want to come with me when I go to visit the sick people uh, in my parish?" And so I went with him. And before we entered the first home, he explained that the father of this family had died, uh, and that the mm. mother was now dying, which was why he was visiting. Mm. And the mother, she was called Emma, and when, when we went into her home, she was lying uh, on the floor, and she had her six children all around her. And she said to us, you know, there's nothing left for me now except to pray that somebody will look after my, my children when I'm gone. And and then I started talking to her oldest child sitting beside her. He, he was called Edward, and he was 14 years of age. And at one point in the conversation, maybe like any of us would when we meet a young person, I, I said to Edward, Edward, what, what's your hope? What, what, what's your ambition in, in life? And he said to me, I, I'd like to have enough food to eat and I would like to be able to go to school one day. And that was it. That was all of his ambition at 14 years of age. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it was really his words that prompted this wow. um, this mission, you know, that that... that understanding that so many millions of children like Edward are today missing school, are missing their only Mm -hmm. possible ladder out of poverty because they're hungry, Mm -hmm. because they're working, because they're begging. They're doing whatever it takes to to eat and and therefore they're missing school. So that's, I I love the fact that this mission that's grown in this incredible way was really launched by the words of of, of a child. I think uh, Mm, it's a very beautiful thing. Mm. Oh, that is. That's so beautiful. But I love that it's been a continuous series of yeses for you, you know, like the yes to the Bosnia, then yes to Malawi and this priest and yes to this little boy, you know, just hearing his heart's cry and you respond with a yes. But when we were talking even before we started recording, you know, like you um, had an experience with at Magigoria, a conversion experience, um, a deeper conversion experience. And then you were telling us that this was really birthed out of prayer. So how did you go from Bosnia to Malawi in mm. this? Like, how did the Lord uh, take your yeses and expand it through your prayer to create this vision of Mary's meals? Yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. And so, something I really feel more and more as I get older and I reflect on what's happened is 
just how gentle God's been with me. You know, I, I still don't quite yes. understand why he, he asked me to do this because I'm clearly not qualified <laughs> to do it. You know, even in those early days when I when we started this work, people began inviting me to go and give talks about the situation in Bosnia. And that was my worst nightmare. I never would have given a public talk. I used to hide and ask my mum to do it or, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, I don't know why he asked me to do this work. And I still feel like that. But I also have this huge sense of gratitude for his gentleness because as I say I never had a plan to do I never sat down one mm -hmm. day and said I'm going to start you know a new ministry or it just unfolded one little bit at a time just I I, I could only ever see what I could cope with maybe I I, I, yeah. I don't know and and along the way during those early years just so many examples of God's providence you know like it, it wasn't just that there was an experience of God's providence it was like he wanted to know <laughs> he wanted me to know that he was giving mm -hmm. us everything we could ever need you know just just like one little example of of that um one of the big blessings in in the early years was that I met my wife through doing this work she was a nurse who, who mm -hmm. gave up her job in Scotland to help the people in Bosnia and that and that's how we met she became my co-driver turned out she was far better at driving trucks than, than <laughs> I was that's a, that's a different story it's though like I won't I won't go there too much today. but yeah. um <laughs> but 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 um there was an occasion where we'd made friends with some Bosnian refugees who were living in Scotland and the war changed uh, in a way that allowed them to go home. So we took them home and we put all their belongings in a truck and uh, I was driving a little minibus full of this you know, extended family from a, from a fairly elderly granny down to a four-year-old. And to cut a long story short, their paperwork wasn't in order and we got deported from Belgium and we had to fly them to the end destination. We got them there uh, safely, thank God. And I was driving home to Scotland after all of that, realizing that we'd emptied our bank account to do, to do that, to fly them home. And I remember the number exactly, it was £4,200. And we needed it because we had all this aid piled here that we had, we'd promised people we were going to transport it to Bosnia. And so I was starting to get a little bit stressed about this on the way home and starting to say, God, you know, please help. What, what are we going to do? And, and I remember arriving home here, and being wet, met by my wife, Julie, and, and she said, Magnus, there's there's a, a letter here, there's an envelope, I really think you should um, open it. And that made me even more worried. I, I wondered what was coming. And I opened this envelope and in it was a check for £4,200. No, no, one, no one else knew about that exact amount that we needed it, apart from Julie and I. And it was from a priest in Ireland who said he wanted to be mm. anonymous. He didn't even want a thank you letter and that was just one example during those years that god he just wanted us to know um that that, that, mm. that he was going to give us everything we needed uh to do this work and that really encouraged me to go on so sorry i haven't really answered your question you know it was experiences no, like that that did encourage us to go on and that's why we ended up working in different countries beyond bosnia we began working with children who'd been abandoned in romania children who were hiv positive and who'd been abandoned there and we were building homes for them and taking them out of those hospitals um, then we began working in africa during the civil war in liberia all kinds of things but no real kind of focus until that encounter with that uh, child edward uh in in malawi which led to this this new phase of our mission uh mary's meals yeah. 
That's beautiful. Wow. Mm. That's awesome. I was just talking with Debbie Herbeck here, who does a lot of mission trips down to Mexico in the dumps with people. And she was just telling me about multiplication of food miracles mm. that she had experienced where they just didn't run out and they knew how much food they had. And I thought, you know, God's provision and just in hearing your story again is something that we often don't depend on enough. You know, like we're so used to in our daily lives trying to figure everything out ourselves. And mm-hmm. I just love this story of you, you didn't have enough and there was nothing you could do about it. And and that opened the door for God to provide. And I'm just wondering, like, is there other miracle stories that that you have witnessed like throughout your, your ministry time in different countries? Yeah, so many. And some of them, I mean, even just on that point you were talking about, about the multiplication of food, you know, I can't say I've seen miracles like the multiplication of food. However, it's that thing you touched on there, I think is really interesting that there is a risk as the work grows that, that I think about a lot that we can get so focused on numbers, you know, like we're celebrating this Mm -hmm. 2 million. It's just a number, isn't it? You know, I, I was thinking reading mm-hmm. scripture this week about the the feeding of the 5,000, you know, and the feeding of the 4,000. And I was thinking, you know, I'm sure Jesus would have done a miracle even if it had been one, never mind 5,000, mm-hmm. if there had been one hungry child yeah. in front of them, you yeah. know. And, and you know, so I suppose I was asking myself, why, why is the number in scripture? Why is the 5,000 even matter? And I suppose it does it does matter in a way, doesn't it? Because we remember it. We know the enormity of God's providence and what he can do when we hear that number. Mm. But it's a little bit like that in terms of God's providence and Mary's meals. Like, we began feeding 200 children in 2002. If somebody had said to me then, you'll, you'll be feeding 2 million children through this ministry every day, I would not I would have just laughed, I, I think, you know. And, and <laughs> But the fact is, you know, we've been adding school after school after school uh, around the world. Never once in all these years, in the 20 years of Mary's Meals, have we had to say, we can't we can't feed today because we've run out of money. You know, and, and mm. sometimes it's an interesting tension in the organization between those people who are maybe accountants or come from business backgrounds <laughs> and how they plan and how they budget, you know, and that constant act of faith that requires to say, we're going to start feeding in that school now in South Sudan or in Haiti or wherever it is, because we trust we trust that God's going to provide. And he, he provides in Mary's meals generally through the goodness of, of people. And we see that over and over again. Mm-hmm. But your question in terms of uh, this thing happened to me once I want to share with you in, in Haiti. And it really just taught me so much. Uh, it was, sorry, it wasn't in Haiti. It was in Colombia. And I was in Colombia working with a priest there. Mm-hmm. He was a remarkable man. And he would go out early every morning finding children who were sleeping on the street. And we were helping him build a new home for those children and we went out early this morning and uh, we found this little boy sleeping under some cardboard he was maybe six years of age and uh, we woke him up and we offered him the hot breakfast like we were doing for all the children and he ate it and then one of our group said to the to the boy um she she was a journalist actually she was trying to build up a picture of of his life she said to him who's your best friend and the little boy looked up at us and he said um God is my best friend. And we were all like just taken aback. This little boy, you know, clearly wasn't going to school. He didn't seem to have anyone who was loving him or caring for him. And and the lady said to him, Why why do you say that? And he said, Because God gives me everything I need. That's what he said, that little boy. He didn't know where his next meal was coming from. It turned out as we got to know him, he'd seen friends of his murdered on 
on the street. Mm. He was in a dire situation. I can't think of a more precarious situation that someone could find themselves in. And yet he said that with total... He evangelized me wow. that, that, that day. And I often think yeah. about him today yeah. as the work gets bigger and you get faced with dilemmas about, you know, about whether to expand into a new school or something like that. And I ask myself sometimes, do I really trust God the way that, that mm -hmm. little boy mm -hmm. uh, did mm -hmm. on the street that, that, that day? So, you know, for me, so, some, some of the, there have been amazing miracles, don't get me wrong, along yeah. the way. But sometimes I, the things that have really changed me the most um, are, are, are how God's spoken through people and very often in the story of Mary's Meals through, through children. Oh, wow. oh, that's that. stunning. And I just have to think, Magnus, as you're sharing these things with us, that mm, you're seeing people funny. in their deepest poverty, not just materially, but in their hearts as well, because you're, you're, you're speaking to people and you're with them in their deepest vulnerabilities, like that 14 year old mm -hmm. boy whose mom is dying. I mean, like, I just would love to learn from you. Like, what have you learned about human suffering? And what is mm. the true alleviation of that? And because you're alleviating it in a certain way through um, food, which is necessary. And even on the deeper levels, like what have you learned about the human heart and suffering and of Christ coming to, to meet us there? Mm. Yeah, it's a huge question, sister, isn't it? Because mm -hmm. um, it's, there's so many different types of suffering, isn't there? You know, and mm -hmm. I, I, I have had a lot of experience with that suffering that comes through abject poverty and it's a horrible I would say evil thing you know that sometimes we can underestimate the ramifications of 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 that kind of of poverty what the behaviors it can lead people to mm -hmm. uh, as, as they try to survive um, and make difficult sit situations it can make it very difficult for examples I remember once in a school in Liberia talking to uh, a head teacher who was trying to persuade us to begin Mary's Meals in his school. And I had to say to him at the end of our meeting, I'm really sorry, but we can't commit to starting quite yet. And, and he, he became really emotional. He became angry with me, in fact. He said, do, do, he said, I've got a teenage daughter. He said, do you know what it feels like to have a teenage daughter and you're, you're um, asking her to behave in the right way and you can't even put food on the table? for her in the evening you know how can i persuade her not to go out and 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 keep bad company and and you know and it made me just feel so small because sometimes i'm guilty of maybe even romanticizing poverty because there are mm -hmm. aspects of of poverty or at least a more simple life that i think are to uh like you know particularly in terms mm -hmm. of of faith so often i encounter people of extreme poverty and they have this faith that I've just talked about a little bit in terms of like, like that little boy who mm -hmm. have this real trust in God because they know that they do depend on him every day. They can't keep themselves mm -hmm. on like we can, I think, mm -hmm. quite easily in our more complex, more comfortable lives where we can go for long periods of time pretending that we're not completely dependent on God, even though we mm -hmm. are. So I think there are mm -hmm. certain benefits. But in terms of your question about suffering i mean i do see and i know mother Teresa spoke about this a lot mm -hmm. and it strikes me a lot you know sometimes i might have been spending some time in schools in those places i've been describing and seeing how children are suffering because of hunger and then i come back here maybe to talk in schools in europe or north america and i look at the children and i think i'm not sure who's more miserable 
you know, I, I'm not mm, sure who has more yeah. joy here, the children I just mm -hmm. met in, in, in Malawi mm -hmm. or the children I'm, I'm meeting in Glasgow or, or wherever. Mm -hmm. And we've mm -hmm. actually recently started these retreats here at, at the retreat centre that my mum and dad began. We've called them our, di our daily bread. And, and we're mm -hmm. inviting young people who've become really engaged with Mary's Meals, say here in Scotland, who, who are maybe young people who are very far away from the church now, but who are passionate about justice and about helping young other young people who are hungry. And the concept of those retreats, why we call them our daily bread, is really to bring those, I think, those two great hungers together, that huge mm, spiritual wow. hunger we see in the West, um, and to link it with that, with that very real um, hunger for food that we see in so many countries. Of the, I mean, today, one in 10 people are hungry in this world of plenty. It's crazy. You know, but wow. how, how do we... There is a way, I think, to bring those things together you know that we're all yes. hungry aren't we in different mm -hmm. ways i think it's one of the big mm -hmm. risks of this kind of work that we can start to form this identity of we are the giver and the people over there are the passive receivers yes. whereas mm -hmm. we're all receiving aren't we we're all in need mm -hmm. we're all we're all mm -hmm. we're all hungry you know for god ultimately mm -hmm. um so i so i probably didn't answer that question very well sister because it's, no, it's such, a, such a deep question Mm -hmm. Oh, no, you answered it. Lovely. Yes, that's the deepest hunger of our hearts, yeah. you know, and some is you can see the physical and then you can see the emotional and spiritual, but they're both this deep hunger. Yeah. So where do you feel like the Holy Spirit is leading Mary's meals now? Like, what is the vision now? Like, just to continue to say yes to whatever the Holy Spirit brings in your path? <laughs> yeah, I, I hope so, Michelle. That, that That's, you know, I hope we retain that you know because as i mentioned earlier there's a risk when things get bigger that you start to do a lot of planning you know and then then you start start being a kind of slave to the plan rather than what where the holy spirit wants to to move you so we try to retain that that uh, openness so and also that feeling of it's about the next child no matter how much big that overall number gets it's still about one more child you know or one more school so that's how we think and and then within that you know very much trying to focus on the areas of greatest need. So it keeps taking us mm -hmm. to these places that are really hard to work in, places of conflict. You know, right now we're working mm -hmm. a lot in Ethiopia where there's this terrible conflict. You know, I'm talking mm -hmm. on a regular basis to a dear friend of mine uh, called Sister Medine, an Ethiopian uh, daughter of charity. And she's lost 13 members of her family in this conflict. Mm -hmm. And yet she's still there mm -hmm. every day just serving the people around her, you know, and it's a privilege to work with people like that. South Sudan, similar during that war that just goes on and on. That's where we feel we're called to be in those in those difficult um, places. And then we still retain this vision. Maybe it's crazy, I don't know, but I don't think it is. <laughs> this vision that, that every child in this world should at least be able to eat one good meal every day in a place of education. That's not crazy, is it? I mean, there's more than enough mm -hmm. food in the world for all of us, much more food in the world than all of us mm -hmm. need. So so why would any child go a day without enough to eat? Or why would the 60 million children like that today that don't have enough to eat mm -hmm. and, and who are out mm -hmm. of school? So we, we hold that big vision and then we just, tomorrow it's about one more, one more child. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. Um, Magnus, I came across Mary's Meals, well, kind of through Michelle, who heard about you through Father Mark Mary um, from the Franciscan Friars of, of the Renewal. And so she sent 
a couple of videos, which I would, we're going to post them in our show notes so that people can, can watch them. And I would really encourage our listeners to watch this particular one uh, with Gerard. Is it Gerard Butler? That's right. That, that, and he, he's with you and, and we, we get to see like where you're ministering to people. It's so powerful. And I thought, oh no, we're done for because my parents are Scottish. We have a foundation and a heart for the poor and you're Catholic. And I was like, we had no chance like to get through that without like our hearts just breaking wide open. There was like tears in our eyes and we were all, we all just looked at each other. We were like, we need to support Mary's meals as a family. And, and I, I just want to bring this in a, in a really practical form because I was shocked to know and so pleased to know that it just costs twenty one dollars to feed a child for an entire year. Mm. Twenty one dollars to feed a child for an entire year, and I wasn't going to share this because I don't normally share things like this publicly. But I, I want to, in hopes that it would inspire other people to give. And so, through our, our family foundation, Celtic Cross, like we're, we're able to support fifteen hundred children this coming year. And it just, it makes me want to cry in some ways because I'm like, not, oh, yay. For, but I'm like, it, it, it's nothing for us to do that really. Like it, it's, yes, it, we're, we're giving, but, but what people are getting from mm -hmm. that is so tremendous. It's the least that we could do. And so I just, in going through the due diligence of like that we do with charities, I was just like, so impressed that there's people on the ground who are making sure that everybody's donations are getting into food, into children's bellies. Mm -hmm. and, and I, I just, um, I'm so grateful for what you're doing. And I just want to encourage people to give, and we're going to put all the links everywhere. Um, but you also have some books as well that I think people might. Yeah. I've written well. a couple of, well, first of all, Heather, just thank you so much for that. I'm, I'm, I, I'm familiar with uh, Celtic Cross Foundation giving to us a name stuck in my mind for obvious reasons, uh, being a Celt myself, but I haven't <laughs> made the link with you. So thank you and your family so much for that, for that very generous uh, support. And, and thank you for mentioning the $21 because it sounds like a makeup number. It doesn't sound possible. You could feed a child for $21. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to say, the reason that is possible is, is because nearly all of this work globally is done by volunteers, people, you know, working as an act of love. You know, so even even just in Malawi today, there are over 85,000 Malawian volunteers, you know, nearly all of them facing a daily struggle to survive themselves, yet choosing to give this gift of time so children in their community might eat, you know. And, and another aspect of it is the fact that we try and, as much as possible, buy all the food locally to help the local farmer, mm. to help the local economy. Wow. So that's why like that, that number, it sounds like a makeup mm -hmm. number, but it's real. That's why it's possible. Mm -hmm. And I just think of Mary's Meals around the world as just like a, a series of lots and lots of little acts of love. You know, none of us doing anything mm -hmm. spectacular on mm -hmm. our own. It's just when you put all these things together, it's making this, you know, it's another beautiful sign of God's mercy, uh, isn't it? So, mm -hmm. so yeah, sorry, to answer your question, I, I've written um, two books that have been published. The first of those was uh, The Shed That Fed a Million Children. Our HQ is this shed I borrowed off my father 30 years ago. I'm still sitting in it. Now I never gave it back. Um, so <laughs> that's, that's the, name, the name of the book. And that became a bestseller actually in the UK to my surprise so that that just tells the story of all those miracles and uh, 
um, experiences of God's providence. And a new edition called The Shed that fed 2 million, not very imaginative, I know, mm-hmm. has just been published <laughs> by HarperCollins. And then um, I wrote a book more recently called Give, uh, which is really just an exploration of charity. What is it, this thing mm-hmm. that resides in mm-hmm. the human heart? Uh, a little bit like that mm-hmm. question you posed earlier, sister, you know, uh, exploring mm-hmm. some of those questions about the hunger in the human um, heart and also exploring about exploring those of us who in, get involved in works of charity. How can we do that in a way that really uh, points to the truth, that points to, to mm-hmm. Jesus? You know, and and mm-hmm. and um, so that th- th- those two books are out there if people are are in- mm-hmm. interested in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your your yes. You know, we we often talk about Our Lady and how powerful her yes was. Like, what if she said no? Like, yeah. You know that that somehow mysteriously God doesn't need us yet. He wants to partner with us and He wants us to cooperate with His grace. Mm-hmm. And and your yes is now inspiring. Even now, as we listen, all of us are faced with a question, you know, will we say yes to opening mm-hmm. our heart to give in this way? And our yeses can make a difference, which clearly we're hearing through your story. So mm-hmm. I so appreciate what you've yeah. shared with us today. And I suppose that's one reason, Heather, why I like to share this story of Mary's Meals is that I think sometimes we might be hesitant about the yes because we think we have to be better qualified or we need to be completely sorted and then we'll do it and you know as we know as we get older that never happens does it you have to dive in at some point and and say yes and and then and then and then God gives you what you you need along along the way. Gosh, it's been so wonderful to spend time with you today, Magnus. My The founder of my religious community would often say that whenever we ask people for help, he said, we're giving people a chance to be generous. And he said, we're giving people a chance to share. We're giving people a chance to invest. We're giving people a chance to, to give their heart to the Lord in a way that had we not asked that they wouldn't be able to do that. And there's a lot of people that are listening right now who would love to be generous to you. <laughs> so how can people get involved? How can they find you or how can they get involved and help you with Mary's Meals? I mean, the easiest way is is for people just to, to go online and, and type in Mary's okay. Meals and you'll find website wherever you may be, whatever country you might be in, uh, you'll be directed to your mm-hmm. local website. And there, there'll be lots of information uh, about our, our mission and about how people can get involved in, in all sorts of ways, because this work grows primarily through people just simply telling other people through this like this wonderful opportunity um you've given me today by inviting me on you know that that's how the work grows by people just speaking of it uh and mm-hmm. when people hear about mary's meals generally they want to help you know so our, our biggest mm-hmm. job becomes about how do we how do we tell the story how do we invite people in so there's all kinds of ways where people can can help us um do that Mm, I love that. And for our listeners, we'll make sure like we will post all this information in our show notes and in all of our social media links. But I love what Sister said. This is an invitation to be generous. Mm -hmm. And for those of us that are Catholic, this is what we mean. It's universal. You know, this is a a chance for us to be able to invest Mm -hmm. in the church as a whole, the global church. And I think we forget how big of a church we are and that we are a universal church. And if one part of the church is hurting, all of us are hurting in different ways, shapes, or form. And so, um, Mm -hmm. and just to echo both of the other ladies, thank you for your yes. Mm -hmm. You know, I know it's not easy. I know, like, I'm sure you still wake up in the middle of the night thinking about different things (laughs) in other parts of the country. Well, that's true, Michelle. And thank you, all of you, for your kind words. But really, honestly, um, 
I, d- I just have this enormous sense of gratitude. I wouldn't want to do anything else with my life. I've no idea why that. God gave me the mm. opportunity to do this with my life, but I am so, um, so grateful uh, for being able to, mm. to do this. It's just a, a, a privilege. I never lose that sense of, of privilege doing this. And I mean, I mean that very sincerely. So, uh, yeah, I just mm. feel very grateful. Um, oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh, and and just, you. you know, I just want to, I just want to give a shout out to our, our blessed mother because I haven't even had the chance to, uh, you just kind of say that that this work belongs to her, you know, and it, it, it is in essence this most um, fundamental, you know, parental act of love, isn't it? To feed to feed the child, to, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure, uh, our blessed mother had times, you know, when when they were refugees, when they fled to Egypt, and so on when there were times where they faced a struggle. Like, how are we going to get through the day? How are we going to... It was interesting, actually. We were just back um, a couple of weeks ago in Medjugorje, a group of us on a, on a pilgrimage of thanksgiving um, for Mary's mm. meals. And, and the priest with us gave a beautiful little reflection. And during it, he said, he asked us a question. He said, who was the first child that ate Mary's meals? And I'm, I'm ashamed to say I was sitting there thinking about that story of Edward. And I was trying to remember who was the first Malawian child that ate Mary's meals, and, and then and then Father Frankie said, "Well, Jesus was obviously the first child that ate <laughs> Mary's meals," and he was so right, you know. And so I just I just have this very strong sense of, you know, mm. this is Our Lady's work; it belongs to her. This mm. most simple uh, act of charity that we could think of, really, it's 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 hers, and we ask her every day to to help us try and do it in a way that does honor her because it's not a small thing daring to take her mm-hmm. name to, to do this work mm-hmm. um, and and so we ask her to do the, to help us do it in the right way and and, and hopefully to, to, to point to her son Jesus as as, as we do it well thank you so much like I said we can't wait for our listeners to delve more deeply Mm, into that thank you for sharing your heart and your story with us and something that we do at the end of every episode is we have what we call a one thing where we invite our guests or where we will share ourselves Um, what is the one thing that's really stirring your heart and it could be something from the from the beautiful to the sublime to the serious to the to the whimsical Mm -hmm. whatever that is but what is one thing in your heart that is really speaking to you this week that you would love to share with our listeners yeah, this this might be a quite odd. I don't know why. Uh, when I Maybe saw the question just before the show, <laughs> I don't know why. Well, okay, that's encouraged me. So this this week when I was out walking, it's it's autumn here. You call it the fall, don't you? And and uh, beautiful colours and and I was out walking Aww. with my kids, and there's a beautiful uh, old oak tree laden with lots and lots of acorns and. I, I don't know why I've never I've walked past this same ancient tree, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of times. It was the first year I really noticed the acorns. So we started collecting them. Normally they just fall and mm. they're eaten by the deer or the sheep. And um, and so no little oak trees round about. So this year with my kids, we started um, collecting the acorns and, and we're going to plant them. And one day, I've, and I think my kids think I'm, I'm having a bit of a crisis. I can't talk about anything else apart from the wonder of these acorns. I don't know what's happened to me. And uh, so I just thought I would share share that. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I I hear you. I, we just planted an oak tree. Whoa. It's very little right yeah. now, but I'm like, this is the legacy tree. And my kids are like, mom, you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> 
I love it. I love it. Oh, that makes me feel oh. better, Heather. It's not, I'm not alone. <laughs> yeah, I'm not yeah, alone. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. certainly. Heather, what about you? What is your one thing for the week? Well, this week, um, I'm, I had two speaking engagements kind of, you know, back to back on, on two different weekends. And in the in-between, my plan was to go visit our oldest daughter at Franciscan University, who happens to now decided to go to Austria and do a semester abroad. <laughs> so she's not here. So I decided to bring my youngest daughter with me. And all throughout the week, we're just kind of bopping around, seeing different things. We're going to go to Damascus Mission. Oh. We're going to still whip by Franciscan. We're with Debbie Herbeck right now. And so really my one thing is just spending time with her. Like as a mother, when you have one-on-one time like this with one of your children, like it has been precious every moment. We've laughed. We've um, we've sang so loud in the car um, with the music that we have going on on a road trip. It's mm. like my voice was hoarse the next day. So <laughs> oh, I love that. I'm just loving every minute with this delightful little Evangeline of mine. Oh. So. I love that. I love the picture that Sarah Kismerick sent of two making pierogies with her, which was so oh, great. My oh my gosh. It was so yes. good. It was so good. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, for me, my one that. thing is, um, I think we've mentioned it before, but uh, it's a book by Father Boniface Six called Through the Heart of St. Joseph. And mm-hmm. I was recently really blessed to do an eight-day silent retreat with Father Boniface, who's just wonderful. For those of you who've met him before, that he's just the, the stunning face of the Father's mercy mm-hmm. on earth. And his book on St. Joseph, <laughs> was it is just so captivating even the painting on the front of mary just gently resting upon saint joseph as he watches over her and the newborn christ child is i couldn't look at it for several days without weeping so i would love to recommend that book to all of our listeners uh it's stunning so through the heart of saint joseph by father boniface hicks which is really wonderful yeah miss hmm. michelle um, what about you dear my one thing, since we haven't met in a while, I have about a hundred, but um, <laughs> I will just choose one. Is actually when we get, I get a couple of requests because I'm such a book person, you know, to review books or write books or whatever. And I've actually um, say no more than I say yes, not because I don't want to, just because of time and you know resources and all this. But a good friend of mine, Laura Phelps, asked me if I would read hers before she, you know, sent it out and endorsed it and. It was, I thought it was very similar to Claire Dwyer's book on Elizabeth the Trinity. Mm. Like I said, yes, because I felt like the Lord had something for me in this book. And it's called Sweet Cross. And it's actually a Marian guide to suffering, the virtues of Mary. Wow. So it fits right in with the conversation that we are having. Mm-hmm. And she takes just uh, gleams her own personal story with it, but also um, gleams a lot of wisdom from the saints and Mary's um, virtues and her humility. And I just learned so much, especially as a lot of St. Maximilian Colby, Saint, a lot of St. Louis mm-hmm. de Montfort. But I love the way Laura made it like very approachable, like how you apply these virtues to everyday life. And it just really, um, I have to Ooh. say, it really strengthened my relationship with Mary even deeper. And like our listeners know, like I feel like Mary's been kind of like, along with the four women doctors of the church, kind of stuck in me the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And has me in her mantle, but I feel like her mantle keeps on getting, you know, covering me uh, even closer in her arms. So it is called, uh, yeah, Sweet Cross by Laura Phelps. I'll make sure. Is it out right now? Or it's it will out be right now. Soon. Okay, I awesome. Think so yeah, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Actually, awesome. she sent you both a copy, so I have. Oh, how lovely! Okay, yeah. awesome. <laughs> Magnus, thank you again. Thank you again for being with thank us you today. So much. I think we should take this show on the road and broadcast live under the oak tree in Scotland next time. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, you're, 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 you're oh, welcome. You're me. welcome. I, I think you might want to come in the summer rather than now, though. Uh, you're welcome. 
It's been delightful. together pilgrimage to Scotland. Yeah, so please do. Yeah. Yeah. Totally no, thank Heather, you so much. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I really love talking to you all. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, thank you, Magnus. And we'll put everything that we talked about today in the show notes, friends. So you'll be able to, to click on the links and, and to just discover more and, and to give and just to be part of this great mission. So thank you for joining us this week. And until next week, we will be abiding together. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please share it with a friend? We encourage you to head over to our website, abidingtogetherpodcast.com, where you can find all the show notes, links to our one things, transcripts, group discussion questions for each episode, and beautiful mugs, t-shirts, journals, and prints on our shop. There you can also subscribe to receive our weekly email with links to each new episode and all of the content. We'd love to connect on social media and invite you to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter so you can catch inspiring reflections every day. You're also welcome to join our private Facebook group and dive deeper into discussions with our fellow listeners. If the podcast has blessed you, would you prayerfully consider financially supporting us? The Abiding Together podcast is only available due to the generous support of our listeners. There are significant costs associated with creating this content, such as tech support, design, website, equipment, and hired staff that we need to be able to continue offering great content to you. Abiding Together is a nonprofit 501c3, and all donations are tax deductible. You can make donations of any amount through a website called Patreon, or you can send us a check directly if that's easier for you. If you donate $15 or more per month on our Patreon page, you become a tribe member and you will receive bonus content every month, such as short videos, recipes, playlists, downloadable prints, and more. You can find all the information about Patreon at patreon.com forward slash abiding together podcast. Thank you and God bless you.